As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Hello, I'm Becky Sheeler, Vice President, Client Engagement, Centennial Executive Search and Talent Strategy. I am honored to be your guest host at Talent Magnet Institute podcast today with our special guest, Mike Glenn, Organizational Development Leader. We at Talent Magnet Institute are excited to have Mike join us because of his positive impact on us, the community, and people and businesses across the globe. Welcome, Mike. Becky, thank you. It's an honor to be with you and to be here with the TMI Talent Magnet Institute environment. Well, thank you. I've had the honor of working with you, Mike, for over 30 years. I've worked with you and for you. And it started when Mike came to Fidelity as my vice president in learning and development. I was his manager. I quickly learned three things about Mike. He cares about people. He's passionate about growing businesses and he's always reflective. What could I have done better? What could we have done differently? I love Mike as a constant learner. Professionally, I experienced three things that are still relevant in today's business. Mike taught me how to ask questions. When I would go to Mike for guidance, Mike, you'd always answer with a question. I have to admit, it was very frustrating at times. Imagine that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But it definitely prepared me before I went into your office to ask you a question. And you'd still answer with a question. I don't know. What do you think? What would happen? What have we done before? This instilled such confidence in me, and I appreciate it 30 years later. And it made me a much better manager myself and also a mom. When kids were little, I'd ask them, what do you think? It instilled creativity. Trust me. (laughs) I also learned project management skills via tell, show, do. I remember you saying, Becky, you need to learn project management. And you sat me down and you showed me your project management tools. And trust me, you have all the tools in your toolbox. And then... After you told and you showed, you said, now go do. You have a project, and it was huge. It was the project of running the holiday party for Fidelity Investments. And the special guest that year was Ned Johnson, the chairman of the board. I felt like I was preparing a party for the president of the United States. There were a lot of guardrails, but the tools and the influence that you taught me were fabulous. So that tell, show, do, and always stretching me sticks with me today. You also exposed high potentials to other people, other departments. And that's another thing that I think businesses need to learn today, that it's okay to say, I have a high potential. I remember going into your office and you said, Becky, it's time for you to go back to operations. And I must say, it felt like a kick in the gut because I thought we worked really well together. But what you were saying was you need to continue to grow and learn. And the best way to do that is get additional exposure. So I went back to operations, but you did invite me back to training and development about a year later. So thank you. 
For these things, I thank you today. But I now ask you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. And if you wouldn't take a moment, introduce yourself and then tell a story about how did you get here today? Becky, thank you. Before I introduce myself, I'd like to say thank you. Becky is so very gracious. She has the label, in my mind, of being the person who always has the right thing to say and the right thing to do. And I'm honored for the years we've had together. And you've been a huge inspiration for me. And you've always reached out to me and stayed in touch. And so it's made a huge, huge difference. So I'm actually honored to be with you today. For my background, as Becky mentioned, I work in organization development. I've spent about 30 years in the corporate world with a lot of different industries. And I retired from Fidelity Investments in 2005 to start a consulting practice. Mr. Johnson said, at Fidelity, we want people to realize their dreams. And my dream was to have a business someday. So he at Fidelity Investments really fulfilled that. So I started an organization development practice in 2005. Since then, I've been very blessed with clients whom I virtually learned everything I know from. And I'm getting near the end of my run. If you've ever watched the cowboy movies, the cowboy at the end turns the horse toward the sunsets and starts riding off in the sunset. So I'm at that point right now. And it's fun to have this opportunity to reflect on kind of what's happened over the years. From an organization development standpoint, I do everything kind of like executive onboarding. I do executive coaching, succession planning, organization design, virtually everything from an OD standpoint. And I'm very, again, blessed to have clients who do all those things. I should say up front, too, that one of the things that really motivates me is I'm going to talk in patterns of threes. And so when I think of three, I think of, as a Christian, I'm blessed to be a child of God. And the big three for me are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I actually have a little, what I call a marketplace ministry, where people will come to me and say, hey, you've been around a lot. Would you mind spending a few months talking about careers and stuff like that? And I say, fine, I'm not a career counselor, but I'd definitely like to hear what you have to say. And if there's something I can do to help you, that would be great. So that's a little bit about my background. Would you like me to talk a little bit about what I've learned from clients? Yeah, that before you do that, I know you from the 90s, 1990s. What did you do before? What brought you to Fidelity? Ooh, um, a very interesting route. It started, I guess, in, I was about 30 years old. I was teaching in a college of business at uh, the university in Michigan. I was getting close to tenure. I was getting a little bit thinking maybe there's more than the university life. I had a friend who worked in organization design at Kellogg's. And so I left the university and went to work in industry thinking, I'll go out there and work 10 or so years and go back to university. You know, how can I be teaching business classes? I really don't have a lot of deep business experience. Well, that's something that never happened. I enjoyed the business part so much. So I worked at Kellogg's in corporate management development, did a lot of platform training. They certified me in everything under the sun. So I would go away and come back and be a multiplier in the organization and learn what others have to say and then share that. So I did that. And then I heard a different calling. Nancy, my wife, who is my mentor and my absolute rock, and I decided that we needed to move around a little bit. So we moved to Cincinnati as we were having our three lovely children. And I went to work for the uh, Batesville Casket Company, another manufacturing organization. So manufacturing is kind of in my background. From there, I made a hop to healthcare. I worked at Good Samaritan Hospital. I was in charge of nursing education, which I know nothing of. But the real beauty there was I learned the organization and found 
two or three really capable leaders like Becky at Fidelity who could take over. So I spent a few years there. Then had the very good fortune of winding up at Fidelity Investments. And as Becky mentioned in the 90s, it was kind of like the Wild West. Fidelity is a great organization. And people talk about Fidelity when they write about it. It'll be mentioned with the Googles and the Amazons and all those organizations who really did great things in the 1990s. So I started Fidelity. I had a history of spending two, three years in an organization and moving on. But Fidelity was so good to me, they really, really changed that. So I was working in uh, learning and development. And then when we expanded to Covington, Paul Smith, who has had a huge impact on me, he was my manager, general manager of Fidelity, asked me if I'd like to take an organization development role. And I said, absolutely, yes. And then about six or seven years later, people often ask me, you know, who's had a big impact on my life? And Paul has. I was doing a particular role and a new creative part of my role emerged. And I found myself not being able to do both of them. So I said to Paul, I said, I can't do this one and I can't do that one. Which one do you want me to do? He looked at me with a big smile on his face and said, which one do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to take the path of more organization development. So it made a huge, huge difference in my life. And I think about leaders are those people who leave those legacies and help people grow and develop and impact people and organizations for generations. So that's some of the stuff I've learned about working with clients. What else would you like to know? <laughs> So Paul was a big mentor and shaped, had a big impact on you. Are there others besides Paul? I yeah. happen to know Paul and he is awesome. So. <laughs> um, I would say I would really start with my family. Nancy is a biostatistician by training, so she's very logical. So her impact on me, I think we have three adult children who are launching really terrific careers. And they're doing great things. And we have a granddaughter now, which is absolutely amazing. So in terms of having a big impact on me that way, and I would say from a learning standpoint, clients, people say, you know, how have you learned? I think the client will tell you exactly what they want you to know. So I think clients want, they want a person who offers options. They want someone who will give them what I would call like a kind and honest assessment of where they are. They want someone to tell them, what's working, what isn't, and what do we do about it? So they want to have a feeling of this is stuff that's working and here's it isn't working and what can we do to help that? They want someone who's very, as Becky mentioned, very non-judgmental. Someone will help them to move from point A to point B. And when I think about coaching, if you look in the dictionary for the word coaching, it's actually an old English vehicle from the 1600s that was used to transport a valued person from one spot to another. So I think, Becky, the work that we do, the coaching we do, and the help that we provide, we're being that coach who takes a valued person from one spot to another. And that's it's really a lot of fun. And I think the thing, too, is... Again, the Lord's given me great success, and I think that I need to be constantly reminded to be humble about it, that it's not what I do, but it's the impact that I have. And coming to the realization I read not long ago, someone said, they find satisfaction in the achievement of others. And I think that's, what Becky, what we really, we're satisfied when we see others really achieve things. So that's the fun part of what we do. Well, great. Can you share a story, a specific story, where you took a person or a team from one level to the next level and made a positive impact on them? Gosh, my mind's racing with all kinds of examples. As I mentioned earlier, three sort of hang in my brain. And, you know, some people can balance six or seven things at the same time. And I, three is about all I can balance. So when you think about organizations, there's a lot of really important dynamics. And three that really stand out for me are 
the focus, the alignment, and the velocity. And when I think about focus in an organization, it's really focused on getting results. You know, why are they there? Where they want to play and how they're going to win. So that's what I think about in focus. When I think about alignment, it's really alignment with the culture. What do they stand for? How do they operate? Are they doing things that really align with a healthy culture? And the velocity is really the speed with which they operate. And when you look at those three variables, having them in alignment is really important. If you have focus and no relationships, you're going to have an unhealthy culture. If you have all relationships and no focus, you're not going to be in business very long. And if you're and if you're racing things, you're not going to be successful at all. So I think about organizations, a couple of stories that come to mind where a few organizations got out of alignment. One goes back many, many years ago. It was a large manufacturing organization that had a R&D department. And from an organization design standpoint, those are really complementary functions. One does the work and one passes the work over to another. So research passes into a development. And a client called me and said, you know, we're having troubles. Some of, of the formulas and products that we're designing aren't being exactly manufactured or produced the way we intend them to do. And there's a lot of aggravation going on and people are sort of at each other's throats and it just isn't a good environment. And I said, well, how long has this been going on? And they said, we used to work really, really well together, but now we seem to be, you know, sniping each other. It just isn't healthy. And as Mike Sable Jr. said a few weeks ago, that the unfortunate thing about that sort of culture is you take it home and you become a multiplier of negativity and that's not really good. So I had read a book a number of years ago by Warner Burke called Organization Development and has actually two wonderful models for resolving conflict in organization. So I read it and I went to the client and I said, here's a proposal for identifying what's going on and resolving it. And for the most part, what we did, we took 12 people from one group and 12 people from another group and put them in a room and said, we're going to spend a day together today. And there's some ground rules. What's said here stays here. And you need to be on your best behavior. I put the two groups in different rooms that were fighting. And I said to them, I want to answer three questions. The first question is, how do you see the other side in your relationship? How do you think the other side sees you? And how do you see yourself? And so they provided answers. They came back and we said, we're going to show these. There's no backbiting on this. They are what they are. And the words they use shocked me. They were extremely caustic and harmful. And I couldn't believe people were walking around with those kinds of feelings. So that was the first part. So it's really getting things on the table and, and people comfortable with the fact that this is a snapshot of reality. And I said, is this the way you want to go forward? And they said, no, 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 no. And I said, okay, let's divide into three groups and we'll mix them up. So function one and function two, we each have representatives in three groups. And the three groups were... What do we want to start in this relationship? Secondly, we want to continue in this relationship. And what do we want to stop in this relationship? So the three groups worked together, came back with like 17 or 18 ideas. And the large group decided, here are three or four things we're going to do going forward to really bring about a good culture and relationship between the two of them. So it worked really, really well. And put that in my back pocket. And then as a different organization, something similar came up again. There were two major parts of an organization who were really fighting because of organization design. They were cross-selling against the same client. And the client was saying, hey, you're a big company. You got these two departments that are coming to me and they're conflicting. I don't understand what you're trying to do. I don't like it. I don't really want to do business with you. 
And so fortunately, there were two very good leaders of these two parts of the organizations, which were separated geographically by a thousand miles. So we went through the, basically the same process, shared perceptions, developed an action plan that they worked for about a year, and they reached agreement on how to work together for the benefit of the client and not for the benefit of their organization. And seeing the progress they made, I thought, I'm going to go back and show them what they said about each other originally. I put the list up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They darn near threw me out of the room and said, that's rubbish. That's history. Get rid of that. So the fact that they rejected how they used to be made a big difference. So those first two examples are what I would call a problem, where things weren't going the way they wanted it to. The last one was really a proactive story. There was an organization who had hired a new senior vice president, and everything was good except he was going into a battle zone. He had two departments he had been feuding for years and years and years. So my client, the HR vice president, came to me and said, hey, is there anything we can do about this proactively, kind of like an onboarding? And I said, well, here's a process that seems to work really well. So we got the group together for a day, walked them through that, and he said they put years of disharmony behind them in a single day. So the fact that getting people together with the process of having ground rules and saying, is this where you want to stay in this kind of culture? And people will almost always say no. And then finding a path to help them work through that is really something, again, that helps organizations resolve conflict and move toward why they're really designed to do. Wow. I mean, the impact that you had on those businesses is phenomenal. I mean, they're successful. They're still in business today, right? They, they and, are in business And growing, too. Right. right? That's yep. the bottom line mm-hmm. or what companies are looking for. So it sounds like... It's not the fact that they were a 1,000 miles apart from each other. It's the communication. Yeah, exactly. It's getting it on the table. Mm-hmm. And what I have always valued about you are you have this toolbox that is never ending. You have, you know, the stop, start, continue, the red, green, and yellow. You have project management tools. There was probably 20 that you put in front of me, and we looked at different ways. So just your ability to take a process and bring it to life so that people can understand and get the value out of it and move forward and make an impact. So I just love that ability of yours to make that happen. And Becky, it's really fun. I think it's the way the Lord hardwired me to always be hungry. The thing that a client said to me one time that I felt so blessed by, he said to me, he said, you're both creative and dependable. And when I think about it, we normally default on, you know, we can be really dependable and not creative. We can be creative and not dependable. When he said that to me, it's like, what a blessing, because that's what I really strive to do. Never content with the way things have been. In my spare time, I read. I read about organization development. I go back over files. I try to pull out things that people have said and share that. I heard Adam West not long ago say that he likes to write about and talk about things he's passionate about and put it out there with the idea that I hope it helps. And that's me too. I'm passionate about the stuff I do in my spare time. I think, again, it's what the Lord really hardwired me to do. And he's given me an opportunity to work with great people to do that. In fact, one thing, as I talk about writing off in the sunset, since this is a Talent Magnet Institute podcast, I'd like to, Becky, tell you how proud I am to be a faculty member here and how great it is when clients call me now for things that I used to do that I no longer do, I have a base of support to offer them and saying, hey, I'm not doing as much of this anymore. 
I'm affiliated with a terrific organization that has a whole bunch of people who are really talented, better than me, who can go out to do the work. And so far, when clients have called me, every client that I suggested the Talent Magnet Institute has quickly decided to use the resources of Talent Magnet Institute. So, you know, that idea about serving clients forever, the Talent Magnet Institute gives me an opportunity to have, I guess, an impact long after I'm gone by the people that I connect while I'm here. Oh, well, thanks. Well, we appreciate you very much. Let me go back to that creative independable. What I really like about that is you have forms and processes that you use other people's tricks. You don't come up with your own necessarily, Mm -hmm. but then you're creative and make it work for you and the client. That's what is really neat. I remember also when you came on board at Fidelity, I'm like, oh my gosh, you have a doctorate degree. Uh, And you said, Becky, that was just an opportunity to learn. It is what what you do with it that counts. And again, what you do with your doctorate, you know, you've shared and you taught other students and then you brought it to the business world. What people do with processes are one thing, but it's making it come to life within an organization to help them get better that we really appreciate. So thanks. You're welcome. Well, Mike, you're also a marathon runner. Oh my gosh, you do so many other things outside of helping businesses and people get better. What motivates you? Yes, I've been a runner for every day for about 40 years. And I think it's the perfect way to start today going out and running. I think our bodies are a gift and that we should take care of the gift that we've been given. Just a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Tu talked about the benefits of health and being constructive and talk about nutrition and exercise. What was funny back at Kellogg's, I was in organization development, but at that time, Kellogg's was playing around with an idea about getting into different lines of business. And they said, my manager said to me, he said, I'd like you to do a, run a wellness program. And I said, what? He said, I want you to do a pilot program with the Kellogg's employees on wellness to sort of explore this idea. And I said, how much money do I have? He said, oh, you've got a couple thousand dollars. And I went, uh-oh. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I mean, I had to be really creative. So what I did was I talked to a lot of people, did a lot of reading, found a local Y would do pre and post assessments. I recruited about 25 or 30 senior executives. So it was pretty high profile. So we went through nutrition, went through exercise, went through substance abuse, went through relaxation, had consultants come in and, and talk with them and stuff. So we did a pre and post test. At the end of the post test, the executives said, this is really great. And the big thing they talked about, the multiplier effect, the executives would say, hey, you know, I went home after work and I went for a walk and my husband and my wife went with me and the kids went and we made it a really a family activity. So bottom line, I guess, all the ingredients came together and was a success. And so they, then they took the program and they wanted to give it a name. So they had a corporate program and they said, what do we call it? And it finally wound up as feeling great. <laughs> so as Tony the Tiger, which I met, by the way. And then, you know, I went on and did different things. The fun part was my wife and I were in Orlando at Epcot Center about four or five years later. We're walking around and in front of me, there was a person wearing a Kellogg shirt that said, feeling great. And Nancy punched me and said, remember we went through this? And I said, oh yeah, I did. <laughs> so again, it was that having people say, here's something that you may not necessarily do, but could you go away and do some thinking about it? 
So as a consultant, I mean, we both live on referrals, repeat business, and we love beyond scope requests because it really challenges us. Like Becky, when someone says to you, it's like, hey, I know this is a little bit outside your area. Could you do some thinking on it? Could you give me some advice or whatever? And you always come through and do that. And I think that's the fun part of what we do. So that that desire to be creative and constantly dig into things, again, it is how I'm hardwired and the people around me are like that too. So it, it really, really motivates me. So going back to the health stuff, that's why I get up and run it every morning. Was blessed to have an opportunity to run the Boston Marathon and the kids are runners too. So we really take the whole idea about wellness and nutrition and exercise very, very seriously. So it was fun listening to Dr. Tu and Liz Keating a couple weeks ago about the whole thing about health and nutrition and how you really can make a difference in your life by changing your patterns. Neat. Well, you brought in your question about, or my question about motivation, you brought up something else that just kind of was a bell to me. You have been blessed to work with very progressive organizations. I mean, Kellogg, that experience was back in the early 80s, Mm -hmm. I assume. Exactly. So they were progressive in wellness. That's so neat. And then I know my experience at Fidelity and your experience, we were blessed to have an organization that was very in tune with technology. And when I left Fidelity in 1995 and stayed at home for 10 years, I came back into the work world 10 years later and really didn't feel like I missed anything. The buzzwords were collaboration and Kaizen, and I'm like, well, we were using those words 10 years ago. Did What happened to Time Warp? But not only having the fortune of working with very progressive organizations, you took those learnings and continue to share them today. And the main learnings are pretty basic. Mm -hmm. It's about pouring into people and listening. So that's really neat. It is, indeed. So motivation, you keep going, you motivate, you take care of your body, which is a gift. What other gifts are you thankful for? Again, being a spiritual being and being a Christ follower, I'm blessed by that because every day is a gift. And the people and the path he puts in front of me become an opportunity for us to show his light through us. So when we're thinking about projects at work and how it works and stuff like that, bottom line, I think that we're put here for a purpose and we can understand that purpose. And as opposed to doing things for me, what I did, I like to really reflect and say, that was the light of God showing through me to others. And in fact, when I finally hang up the shingle and don't work anymore. And I wasn't always this obvious about my faith at work. Based on his love, I've just grown in confidence and, and share. And I've prayed with clients. have been like mountaintop experiences and things. And it's really about having that faith and that direction. And my final line is going to be, when I turn off the lights, it's going to be, if I ever said or did anything that was good, it came from the Lord. And that's going to be my final like, okay, he's gone. He's in the sunset. And again, I'm being, being so blessed and recognizing that over the years, you know, going through corporate life for 30 years and the running arounds and stuff like that, it really comes down to, are you having a positive impact on people? Are you loving on people the way that Jesus loved on us is really the main message. Awesome. Thank you. I often ask candidates about what are you most proud of and are there any do-overs that you would have? I like those because you know, I think we're always learning from our mistakes. Do you want to share anything about either one of those? Yeah. The do-over is really interesting because 
you look back and you like, like to think things worked out as planned, but they don't always. The do-over I would have, and I've been thinking about this for a while, it's sometimes we get really active and busy and go from one project to another. And for clients, you get excited about a work and you're on to the next one and stuff. I think the do-over I would have is I would have a process for me to stay in contact after the work was over for a longer period of time. It's sort of like you have surgery, the surgeon comes in, does a post-op, and then they're kind of off and running. And a really wise person once said, the true value of a surgeon is not how well the surgeon cuts, it's how well the patient heals. And so my do-over would have been calling back in a week or two and saying, hey, as you think back on that, what worked, what didn't work, what would have been better? Have you seen any complications? Has it taken root like we planned for that to do? So I think being diligent about the aftercare would be something that I would have done over again, because it's really you know kind of snazzy to go from here to here to here to here without really doing the aftercare. And I think that's really the most important thing. So in the time I have remaining, I'm making my resolution right now, Becky, I'm going to do a much better job about doing the <laughs> aftercare. I do have one thing. I do keep like meticulous records. I mean, I can tell you basically where I spent my time for the last 30 years in files, and I love going through that knowledge and stuff like that. So I do have a really great client database. I just haven't used it. And carrying on people and saying, thank you, you helped take me from here to there. How did it work and whatever. So that's the one very, very serious thing that you, you caused me to think about. I would definitely follow up and stay closer to the clients than I have in the past. Well, guess what, Mike? You're not alone. So we have the privilege at Centennial Executive Search to talking to a lot of consultants all the time. And oftentimes they say, you know, I would like to join, be in-house again for these two reasons. Number one, they miss the teamwork, mm -hmm. which I think Talent yeah. Magnet Institute yeah. offers. It does. However, the other thing that I hear often is I put these projects out there and I don't know how they're going. Yeah. I don't have the privilege and to be in-house to see, is it going the way I thought? Are they adjusting the way I would adjust? Yep. So that never really knowing internally is a big gap for people. So yeah. again, you're not alone. Well, thank you. You've given me some great, great grace on that. You think back over your career and you think about, you see all those faces, you think about all those events that you worked with people with. And again, basically everything I've learned, I've learned from clients. I've had great, great, great clients, great, great mentors, great opportunities. And again, that's a gift that I treasure. Well, the gift that I treasure is the lessons that you've taught me that stand the test of time. They really do. Your caring for people, your passion for business, and your reflection and constant learning. So Mike, on behalf of Talent Magnet Institute, I want to thank you for all you've done again for us, the community, and those businesses and people around the world. And a final question, is there anything else that you would add to our conversation today? My super gratitude to you, 30 years is a wonderful opportunity to know and love with you. I'm thrilled that the Lord put us together, and I thank you for just being the person you are and caring about me. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for the listeners joining Mike and I today on the Talent Magnet Institute. We hope you've garnished some nuggets 
because Mike's Nuggets have taken me to a career that I'm so proud of and happy with. Thank you. Sometimes it's the little things that make a big difference. A post-it note and two minutes can make a huge difference in your workday. Find out more at talentmagnetinstitute.com slash post-it. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.